All right, would you travel with me to the book of Proverbs again? Tonight we'll go to chapter 2. We're not going to cover the whole book of Proverbs in this series. This is more uh, just some selective themes in the book of Proverbs. I actually did this series of lessons seven years ago. So um, maybe somebody remembers. Steve, Steve Shuttleworth remembered, but of course he organizes them all and compiles them. And um, I just am pulling different themes from the book of Proverbs that are kind of the major themes. I don't know if I'll get through all of it, or we, we may do this for a while and then break from it. We'll see. Um, but tonight's passage is uh, in chapter number two. And so it's been several weeks. So just to remind us of the theme, we know that wisdom is the main theme of the book of Proverbs, making life decisions from God's perspective. So we're thinking of this in the idea of choices. And so we begin by understanding that we want to make these choices by grace. This isn't just about memorizing a series of laws or rules or principles, but that God wants to be at work in our lives personally. And so as we follow his word, it should come from our relationship with him. But tonight, I'd like us to pick up this theme, and that is choose God's word. Choose God's word. And the Word of God is one of the major themes in the book of Proverbs. So notice this. In fact, kind of some key verses are verses 6, 7, and 8. Verse 6, 7, and 8, look at this. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. Isn't that interesting in verse number 7? Sound wisdom. Like it makes me think that there's alternate perspectives, there's alternative views on what real wisdom is. But the word, the, the advice, the counsel you get from the scriptures, it's sound. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be uncertain. It's, it's, it's sound. It's sure. So he layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler. What's a buckler? This is a this is not a, uh, this is a word that slipped out of usage, really. What's a buckler? It's a shield, okay? Good thing we defined it tonight. It's a, it's a shield. So it's this idea that the Word of God gives us <laughs> protection. Verse 8, he keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Anybody have uh, any favorite verses about the Word of God that you've, that have maybe stuck with you through uh, through life? I think of uh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What are some other uh, What are some other scriptures that maybe come to mind about the word of God? Anybody? Right, right. But I'm talking about like scripture that speaks of the word itself. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, the idea that we trust in the Lord, we don't lean on our own understanding. Yeah, that doesn't directly mention the word, but it's obvious implication in there. Yes, Brother Jim. What's it say? You can paraphrase if you want. Yeah, how shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to thy word? Yeah, I like, um, what's that? 
Yeah, all scripture is theopneustos, given by inspiration of, I don't think I said the Greek word right, but it's, I was just reading about it this past week, actually. It's given by the breath of God, but it's not just given by God, but it's profitable for correction, for instruction, for reproof. Oh, I'm tired tonight. The, the, the word of God is, it is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction of, in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Um, Psalm 1. Yeah, his delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Amen. Um, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. I believe that's Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Anybody else? Verses about the word. Oh, yeah. Amen. There's the living word and the written word. That Jesus is the word. Yeah, anybody else? Verses about the word of God. So we are, we are a people. We are to be a people of the book. And God's people have always been a people of the book. And we're to love the, lo- the law, we're to, b- to believe it, to, to seek it, to know it. So really tonight is how about, it's about receiving the word. And in fact, if you want the main, the two main points in the blanks, if you like to fill in the blanks, point number one on the inside right is we're going to talk about learning how to receive the word, how to receive the word. And then on the back, point number two, we're going to experience the rewards of the word. So the, this, the writer of Proverbs teaches us how to receive and then teaches us um, how to experience that, we, or tells us we'll experience the rewards. So receiving and then rewards. But you'll notice here on your introduction on the inside left of your handout, let's read verses one and uh, let's read verse one and two together. Ready? My son. Let's read it out loud together. I, I, sorry, I don't have anybody to do it, put it on the screen, so just follow along in your Bible. Read out loud with me. Um, verses 1 and 2 begin. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart unto understanding, or to understanding. What do you notice about the opening of this any, any things come to mind as you, in the opening statement here? The word if is a big word. That's a big word. And so I actually have that in my introduction. I have just a few things that I've jotted down here. It's a voluntary phrase, isn't it? It's voluntary. So you think of, I think of like our children, my kids all, we homeschool and we actually started school, I say we, um, by default it's we, but it's Deborah that organizes all of it. So school started today um, for my kids. And so as their children, you know, we just tell them, you're going to learn this, you're going to learn this, you're going to learn this. But there'll come a point of maturity in their life 
where they will either continue learning or they'll stop learning. It's an if. Well, as Christians, that happens very early. Like, unless, especially if you became a believer as an adult, it's an if. Are you going to receive the word of God? There's a big if here. It's voluntary on our part. So I think that stands out. So it's not just voluntary, but you'll see also there's, the, there's some conditional statements in here. Okay. So notice in verse number two, my son, the word, the next word we already mentioned is what? Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, what's the next word? If. Now look down at verse number 3. Yea, what's it say? If. Okay? Look down at verse number 4. What's it begin with? So there's a lot of, this, this is kind of an iffy passage. Want, want, pun intended. So let's uh, look down now at verse number 5. There's a new, a new word that begins. What is this? Then, if, then, then. What we refer to these as are conditional promises. These are conditional promises. That God says that this isn't isn't unconditional. Unconditional would mean this is just something that's going to happen regardless. But a conditional promise, there is a responsibility on our part. So there's an if and a then. So in the if is how we receive, and the then is the second part that is the, that is the, uh, the reward. The if is the receiving, and the then is the reward. So number one, as we said, learn how to receive the word. Learn how to receive the word. So you look with me at just at look verses one through four. What I'd like you to do, let's kind of do this little like an inductive study tonight where you go through these four verses and you either circle or jot down all of the words that you see that describe the way that we would be receiving the word of God. I'll give you a minute to do it. So go ahead through verses one through four and every word you see that refers to receiving the word or how we receive the word of God. It describes, you circle those and then we'll go through them together. So the Jeopardy music starts now. Who's found at least two so far? You got two. Anybody? All right. We've got three. Maybe three. You got four. Five. Let me just underline everything. Just all of it. Just underline it all, right? I took a highlighter to it instead. All right. Give you 30 more seconds. Verses one through four. Let's find all of the words that teach us something about how we receive the word. Okay? I said 30 seconds, so 15 more. All right. What have we found? What have we found? Who wants to, who's got the, the first one that they found? Who's got some written down? If you've got it written down in a circle, just let me know. What do you see in first of all? Ver- words that describe how we receive the word. The first one should be pretty easy because, oh, there you go. The first one is right there, receive, okay? So that was the gimme one. What other verses, what other words in here are, are descriptive of now how we would receive? Somebody, next word you see. Hide, I think that's absolutely right. What else, what's another word? What's the next one? Miss Bailey, what was that? Incline, that's a big one, I love that one. What's another one? What is it, Frank? Apply, yeah, right on. 
what's a what's the next one? Crying. Yeah, criest. If thou criest. And what's the next one? What is that? Paul, did you say it? Lift. Yeah, lifting your voice. It's pretty much all the verbs here. The next one would be in verse number four, which is seeking. Um, and the next one in verse number four is also searching. Thou searchest. Pretty much all of these verses, I believe what you're looking at here, and of course, Proverbs is wisdom literature, so it's got a poetic element to it. You have couplets, uh, couplet statements that are reinforcing the main truth here. He's taking four verses to basically say one thing. You really need to focus on receiving the word. So I put this, um, I've got two things here to talk about in the blanks. The first blank under receive the word would be this. Incline your ear to receive the word. Incline your ear to receive the word. And then secondly, apply. Apply your heart to hide the word. Apply your heart to hide the word. So look at verse number one again. So you want to receive the words, and then you want to hide the words. You see that in verse number one. Receive the words, hide the words. Now look at how it happens. In verse number two, how do you do it? So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. What do you think? Somebody give me a, uh, a description of this idea, inclining your ear unto wisdom. That, there you go. I see people, you don't even need words for this one. You don't even need words for this. Everybody do me a favor. Right now, I know this is, now I got to preach at camp last week, and believe it or not, every single thing I asked those kids to say or do, do you know what? They did it. <laughs> it's so funny. James Sumi, who got baptized on Sunday, he went home and he told, well, he told me this too. He told his parents too. He's like, man, you're so different preaching at camp, he said to me. I don't think it was so much me. I think it might have been the audience. So they were, the kids are, teenagers are fun because teenagers are, they basically want to participate just like the kids do, but they can understand more complicated concepts. So it's a lot of fun to preach teenagers. I mean, they were in it. Everything we did, they got involved. So with that in mind, everybody right now, if you would, incline your ear to receive the word. One, two, three, go. Wow. We got a few of you. I got a few of you. Now, what if you were... Try your hardest. I know you're just going back into ancient history, but if you were 14 years old right now, and I said, everybody incline your ear, how would you do it? One, two, three, go. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty good. That's a little better. Okay, you'd probably, you'd probably do it something like this. You'd go a little more dramatic, right? You'd be a little more dramatic, and that's the idea. The opposite of incline is to decline or to recline. We talked about this recently. I think I used this in a different um, illustration. So here it says you've got to incline your ear to receive the word. The idea is there's anticipation, expectation. There's that, that leaning in to it. Anybody, any thoughts on what this, what's involved here in inclining your ear to the word of God? What's that? Tuning in, tuning in. And in order to tune in, that means you've got to probably tune some things out, right? So what else? Any other thoughts here on inclining, inclining your ear to the word? Yeah. Well, diligent works. 
Diligent attention. I like that. Uh, somebody else, this idea of inclining your, your, your ear. We use a, this phrase sometimes, active listening, right? That, you're, that you're, you're fully engaged. And somebody inclining the ear may even ask questions. They want to learn. They want to know. And he says here that our disposition or our posture toward the Word of God should be always to lean into it, lean into the Word. And now, so that's, so that's the hearing, but then part of receiving the Word is making sure that the inclining and the hearing actually gets down deep inside of us. It's got to get down deep inside of us. So I think verse number two, it says you, you incline thine ear, but then it says you apply your heart. Verse three, if you, if you cry after knowledge, if you lift up your voice for understanding, if, you, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. So, what I want to do, though, is look at this. I missed this. Back up to verses 1 and 2. So I think I look at verses 1 and 2 as a couplet. So it says, if you receive my words. Now in verse number 2 it says, so that thou incline thine ear. How am I receiving? By inclining my ear. But then I think there's a principle here. The second half of verse number 1 says this, and hide my commandments with thee. And then the end of verse number 2, and apply thine heart to understanding. I think when you apply your heart, it makes it easier to hide the word. Do you remember, what's the, what, did the, uh, what did David say? Thy word have I hid in my heart, but not just so that I would have it memorized. Thy word have I hid in my heart so that I wouldn't what? So I wouldn't sin. So he said, God, I'll hide your word in my heart because I don't want to sin against you. So the idea of hiding and applying, there's biblical precedent for that. That it's through the application, and that's what I put in this other blank here, apply your heart to hide the word. And I think something amazing happens. You might have found this to be true in your life, but sometimes the verses are the, that are the easiest to remember and hide in your heart are the ones that are the most applicable to your daily life. Have you found that to be true? Like, that, that I need this passage of Scripture. It could be to overcome a temptation. It could be that you're struggling with something. Or it could be you're trying to build a new uh, Christian element of Christian character or fruit of the Spirit in your heart. So what happens is you take a Bible verse, and when you apply that verse to your life, it just has a way of burying itself deep inside of you. Am I connecting there? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, Jim, what were you going to... I'm going to introduce you to the silence button. We'll get you a little technological advancement before you leave tonight. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading the Word of God, and a choo-choo train goes off. Never fails. What you, no, what were, you gonna, what were you saying? Sure. Yeah. When you're dealing with, the, when you, when we're dealing with questions or we're dealing with issues in our lives, and we take the scriptures and we uh, we see how relevant they are, we we make the application. Or if you read a principle and you're like, man, this is speaking to me directly, 
if you then start to act it out, you'll be amazed that God will take those verses and they'll be hidden in your heart. So there's, there's an intellectual component to this. You've got to hear and understand. But then there's an emotional and practical component to it that you have to apply and act it out. In fact, James speaks about this, right? Some of you are like, James, let's think, let's think, let's think. Well, you don't want to be the person who t- looks at the Word of God as if you look in the mirror and you do what? Eh, good enough, I guess I'll walk away. The Bible says be not just hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. If you're a hearer and not a doer, James says you're like somebody that looks in a mirror, sees the problem, and then is like, eh, whatever, and walks away. You behold your natural face in the glass, but then you leave unchanged. It's really possible. A lot of people, they come to church week after week, or they read their Bible day after day even. But if it's not, if the application's not there, that's, you're not receiving it properly. So a few verses about that I put on your handout. Um, Proverbs 7, 1 through 3. This is a really cool passage. Look at this. Proverbs 7, 1 through 3. It's right on your handout. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law, this is an interesting expression, my law as the apple of thine eye. The apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Now, I I haven't researched this in a while, but my understanding is that apple of thine eye is a a Hebrew idiom, right? Um, Does anybody have a better understanding of an idiom before I explain the idiom, and you're like, no, I really understand, I know this one. Anybody out there, you've studied this before? Okay, good, because I don't want to look like an idiom as I explain the idiom. So, uh, anyhow, the, the, the phrase here of the apple of the eye, it refers to that smallest part in the eye. And my understanding, and you can fact check me after this, that's fine, but my understanding is that the literal translation of the idiom is the little man in the eye. It literally means the little man in the eye. Well, that doesn't translate very well to English because we don't use that expression. Keep the law as a little man in the eye. What's it talking about? So we have the expression, the apple of the eye. But if you get really, really close to someone, like uncomfortably close, you would, you'd be like, you violated my personal space here, buddy. Get out of here, you know? But if you get uncomfortably close to someone, and you look right in the center of the eye, what do you see? You see the reflection of yourself right there. So the idea of the apple of the eye, it is whatever is the closest to you right there. And so when he says, keep the law as the apple of the eye, that's the point, that you're so close, you're so connected to the word that it's reflecting, it's reflecting out of your eyes. Pretty cool. Um, Proverbs 6.20 is a good one. But now look at the last one I put on here, Proverbs 22.17 and 18. Proverbs 22.17 and 18, I love this one. Bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise. Apply thine heart unto my knowledge. The same theme is there, but I love that opening statement, bow down thine ear, because it's that idea of humility, like I'm here to be taught. I'm not here just to accumulate knowledge, but I'm here with a humble, teachable spirit. Teachable spirit.
So first of all, we shall learn how to receive the word. Well, let's finish now with, on the back, we'll experience the rewards of the word. Now, I want you to, to see this here in verses 5 through 11. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He's a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. So let me ask you, to, oh, there's more. When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. Let's do this now. Let's take just a minute, go through here, and you see if you can spot some of the rewards that are to be given to those who properly receive the Word of God. Go ahead, look through verses 5 through 11, and see what you can come up with. We've got a couple of minutes, so I'll just be quiet and let you look for some rewards. Find some rewards in here. This is a little trickier than the last one because you kind of have to look at some of the phrases and paraphrase a little bit. But let's see what uh, let's see what we come up with for rewards. Should be able to find two or three in here that are different types of rewards for people who are receiving the word of God. Maybe four or five. I've got three, but it could be broken up different ways. Give me just a little bit longer. All right, so we're in verses 5 through 11. In verses 5 through 11, how many individual rewards did you find? Like I said, I found three, but you might have found more. Who found, uh, how many did you find? Who's got a couple? Who, somebody? How many did you find? You found many, many. How many is many? Can't even count them. 
These are not innumerable. There's a number here. How many, somebody, how many did you find? Anybody? All right, all right. Nobody wants to do, come on now. You find some? All right, who's got one? Besides my dad first, because he's got many. But somebody else, what's a reward that you found in this passage? The reward of discretion. What, what does that mean? Okay, so you'll have the ability to, to choose wisely, to have that discretion. Did, um, Trinity, did you have one? Were you like ready to answer? It looked like you were just like ready to answer. No? You did really look like you were ready to answer. So you were ready to answer. All right, go ahead. Yeah, the knowledge of God. What do you think that means? Or you're like, you don't want to answer that one. We'll just, we'll just move on. Yeah, the knowledge of God. I, I, I mean, that's a gift right there, right? To understand who your creator is. There's a reward. That's a reward, to know God. And you know God through the word. Yeah, so discretion, the ability to make choices. You, get, you receive the knowledge of God. Somebody else, what did you find in there that's a, a, a unique reward for, that's mentioned here for, for it? Wisdom, yeah. All right, Dad, you're allowed to, to join in now. <laughs> but just one at a time. It is a blessing. The fear of the Lord, we don't think of that as a gift or a reward or a blessing, but boy, it sure is because it's, it's a protection in our lives. Yeah. Ms. Bailey, what would you find for a reward? A little louder, I'm sorry. Keeps the path of judgment and preserves. So what do you so what does that mean? I think it's so it's direction for your life, right? Yeah. There's this, there's this, it kind of goes with discretion, but what I put for that one is he he makes his will known to us. Like we can, that's actually my second blank on the at the end there. We can discover the will of God. You know, that we know. God's will. There's a lot of people that wonder, like, well, what should I do? Where should I go? As when we make the, the word of God a focus, we know his will. Yeah, somebody else, a blessing you saw in this passage, a reward. You got another one? Yeah, absolutely. That, so so there's some, there's, that's morality, to understand righteousness and judgment. That's a gift that he teaches, teaches us. The Word of God does that. It's amazing because we, we kind of took that for granted probably growing up, a lot of us, that we understand morality. But as our culture gets further and further away from the mores of morality, we realize, wow, what a gift it is to know what a godly marriage is. What a gift it is to know how to raise children. What a gift it is to know how to live our lives. And so many things that were just default morality have kind of become uh, radical morality today, but we know them through the Word of God. Yeah. Thank you. 
So let me ask this. To push back, I actually agree with the statement, but to play the devil's advocate, to say, so the statement was, the Bible deconstructs the natural man's view of God. In other words, we have a false view of who God is. So if somebody were to push back and say, well, where is the evidence of that? What do you mean we have a false view? Could you think of anything that points to that evidence, that there, that anything at all? Other than our sin nature, that we know that. Yeah, Seth. Yeah, the demand of, like, throughout history, like, almost every ancient civilization turned to a human sacrifice, viewing God that way. Yeah, that's a, that's a perfect evidence. That's the one I was thinking of. I think the most obvious one is idolatry, that every civilization has crafted gods in their own imagination. Romans 1 speaks about that. So the word of God teaches us the fear of God, like the true worship of the living God. So that's really, that's very insightful. You have something more on that? And then I'll... Yeah. Right. His mercy endureth forever. And it repeats over and over. Yeah. That's, you're absolutely right. And it's from selective, selective reading of the Bible. Believe it or not, like I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, I actually just finished a book the last two days. And I very rarely read anything like this, but it caught my attention. This book was written by a very progressive Christian. A, like, super progressive. And it gave me a very interesting insight into the mind of how he had a view of Scripture that was basically, he believed in Jesus, he believed in his resurrection, but then he began redefining most of the Scriptures to his own. I'm just listening to it, and I'm seeing how it's appealing to the mind, to a worldly mindset, that I can reimagine God. I want to keep Jesus, I want to keep salvation, but now I want to reinterpret all the Scriptures and every time I listen, I'm like, but, I'm like thinking to myself, but you just, you keep deciding which scriptures you're going to accept and you're going to reject. And where does that stop? So it's very interesting. Um, but this is, that's why we're told just lean into the word of God. You don't question, we don't question the word of God. I mean, we may have sincere questions that we look for answers to, but we don't look to it to, the scriptures are, here's a good statement. The scriptures are self-validating. The more you lean into them, the more you study them, like, like your point, the God of the Old Testament is not just a God of wrath, he's a God of love. And your point, the God of the New Testament is not just a God of love, he's also a God of wrath. And that you, you see that. So that's good, yeah. All right, we're a little off track. So let's, what are any other blessings you see in here from it? Yes, Miss Bailey. Pleasant knowledge. Yeah, I think that's, I don't even have, see, there's tons of them here. Like my dad said, there's many. So there's a, there's a, a blessedness, a pleasantness to living in the word, that it just gives a good life. That's why we do need to avoid the trap of legalism, by the way. Because if you look at the Pharisees, 
The Pharisees could have quoted all these scriptures about the pleasantness of the law, but they didn't experience any of it. So that's why I spoke a little bit about this on Sunday. We need to avoid the trap of license, how we live, however, but we also need to avoid the trap of, of legalism because the law of the Lord is supposed to be a delight, right? There's freedom and obey, but freedom to obey. And we need to remember the joy of the Word of God. It's a, it's a pleasant life. The other, one here, the other one here is protection, right? That he says in verse number, um, oh, let me give you the three blanks because we're just going to wind down in a minute. So I just came up with three, but, but you all filled this in way better than I did. So, but I just put this, we learn the mind of God, we discover the will of God, and we experience the protection of God. So those are just kind of three categories, but again, you added quite a bit to that, which I appreciate. But under the protection, let's kind of finish with this. Look at verse, uh, verse number seven. It says he's a buckler, right? So there's the shield. But then verse number 11, discretion shall, what's the word? Preserve. Yep. And understanding shall keep. That's the idea of guarding and protecting. So there's this protection. Now, if you read further, he gives, he gives uh, two very specific things, and this is really applicable to young people, but it's interesting. He says it's going to protect you. Now look at verse 12. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man. So this is a good passage for your kids to know, because knowing the word of God protects you from influences. It protects you from evil people who would lead you astray, um, and it describes them all through verse number 15. So verse number 12 through 15 says you're, it's going to protect you from an evil man. But then there's another one in verse 16, to deliver thee from the strange woman. So he says that the word of God, and these are two, like probably the two biggest temptations that young people face in their lives, and they do stay with us, but we're particularly susceptible to them in our youth, and that those are one, bad associates, bad friendships that will lead us astray, and bad romantic relationships. These two things are huge traps, and the Word of God is a protection from those. So, great talk tonight. Thank you for participating. The, the Word of God, choose the Word of God, lean into it, incline your ear to receive it, and then we can experience the rewards of God's Word. All right, let's uh, close in prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much for tonight. I pray that you would uh, just help us all to be students of the Word and lovers of the Word of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.